Plus, cutting edge conversations with the quant community. Welcome all to a new Quantcast. Mauro Cesar and Nasneen Sharif here in the Riston Net studio in London. Hi, Nasneen. Hi, everyone. Today's topic is rough volatility. And to speak to us about rough volatility and its development, its pros and its flows, if any, we will see that, we have Mathieu Rosenbaum. Hi, Mathieu, and welcome. Hi, everyone. Thank you very much for having me. So, Mathieu Rosenbaum, he's Professor and Head of Analytics and Models for Regulation at the Department of Applied Mathematics at the École Polytechnique. We couldn't have hoped for a more knowledgeable guest on the subject. Uh, Mathieu, in fact, is uh, one of the authors of the paper that introduced rough volatility uh, back in 2014. And um, he is the author of a number of other papers extending the first, including one that is now published in Risdonet, uh, to which we will come back shortly. Uh, Mathieu, uh, we would like to start from the very beginning and introduce rough volatility first. So could you give us um, an intuition, an intuitive explanation of what is rough volatility? Yes, I, actually the rough volatility is just the fact that it could be a good idea to model volatility with models where the sample path is rougher than what we usually do. So usually when we use volatility model, either the sample path, the trajectories of volatility are very smooth, like if you take the Black-Scholes model, for example, or extension of the Black-Scholes, you have like a very smooth volatility. Or we like to do models which are based on uh, Brownian motion, right? So basically, there are just two possibilities, like either very smooth volatility or volatility which are not very smooth, but like non-smooth like a Brownian motion. And the idea of rough volatility models is that it can be relevant to have sample paths of volatility which are even rougher than that of a uh, classical brain motion. And actually it's much rougher than that of a fractional brain motion. And we can measure that through this first parameter. So um, Matthew, you introduced um, the rough volatility model in the industry. So how was the original rough volatility model developed? Uh, uh, this, this is a very good question. So a bit as usual in science, it's a bit by chance. Because uh, you know, there was already this idea in the literature that if you look at the implied volatility surface, if you use a fractional brain motion, which is the cornerstone of rough volatility models, so if you look, you use a fractional brain motion in to model the volatility, well, you need a fractional brain motion with very rough sample paths to reproduce the Ademonescu. So this kind of uh, calculation were already present in the literature, for example, in paper by uh, Masaki Fukazawa, in paper by Eliza Alos and Kaosos, but nobody paid too much attention to it, right? Because it was just like examples among like uh, general computation. And then it, it turned out that uh, my PhD student, who was uh, Thibaut Gesson at the time, because uh, of the grant he had, there, there was an agreement that he had to spend uh, time abroad. And so I decided to send him to gym and we say, okay, what kind of topic could be interesting? And uh, we say, okay, why not look at this fractional models for volatility, but from historical data perspective, right? So there is this idea in the literature that it can be good for the implied volatility surface. Let's look at historical data. And actually the internship of Thibault was to look at the behavior, the real historical behavior of volatility. And this is why he discovered that 
graph volatility models are very relevant, not only to model implied volatility data, but also to model volatility historical data. So what's the advantage of rough volatility models over other volatility models that are more common in the industry today? So I would say that, um, I mean, I think these are probably some of the only models which are able to fit very well at the same time the historical volatility time series and uh, implied volatility data, which means that you have a sort of a consistent model on the P and on the Q. So let me be clear by why I mean by a consistent model on the P, because, you know, I mean, we can show that statistically, if you look at historical data of volatility, it looks like a rough volatility model. But very often people are telling me, yes, but you know, if I use this model, I can do it too. Yes, sure, I absolutely agree with that. What I mean is that it's very hard to reject that volatility is rough on historical data, and it's very hard to reject that volatility is rough based on implied volatility data. So I'm not claiming this is the true model. I'm just saying that, first, it's a model which is very hard to reject, right? Because it fits very well with the data. And the other advantage to me is that it's extremely parsimonious. Like, compared to other models, like, essentially in rough volatility models, you have three parameters in dimension one. So you have this regularity parameter of the volatility, and basically you know that it's very rough, so you already know the order of magnitude. You have the volatility of volatility parameter, and you have the spot vol correlation. So you only have three parameters, so extremely parsimonious model. And now what is also very good with these models, which is not an advantage, but which make it as good as the other from this viewpoint, is that now we have numerical methods. We have numerical methodology to do fast calibration and fast pricing and hedging with these models. So that's why uh, I'm considering that this model has a lot of advantages. And to mention the last results, which sort of may show that this is really a very relevant model, what we have been showing recently is that basically, if you assume that there is no statistical arbitrage on your market, well, basically, it implies that volatility has to be rough. So the rough volatility models, they are just appearing naturally if you assume that there is not too much statistical arbitrage on your market. Let's now uh, talk about your paper just published in Risk. Uh, it's titled Roughening Aston, and you co-authored it with uh, uh, Omar Omar Alush and uh, Jim Gatherall. Um, okay. It's by the way online Risk.net and uh, in print in the May issue of Risk. And, Thank uh, you for that, Mark. Yeah, pleasure. And uh, in this paper, as the title suggests, you combine rough volatility with the Heston model. Um, could you tell us how that works and uh, how did you how did you develop it? So this, this is an excellent question because if you read the first paper we made on rough volatility, the, the volatility is rough paper, uh, the, the model that was developed at the time was more the, the rough Bergomi model. So we called it rough Bergomi in the sense that it was like log normal volatility. So how did we arrive to this rough Heston model? So the thing is that I was quite puzzled by this result. Like we are, you know that more than 6,000 of assets have been investigated, and over the 6,000 of assets, all the time we were showing that people were showing that volatility is rough. You know, there's this paper by Miko Pakanen and co-authors. They treat 6,000 of assets all the time. Volatility is rough. So I was wondering, but okay, how can this be true? I mean, if it's true, this this must be somehow sort of mechanical. 
So then we, we start trying to find some microstructural foundation of rough volatility. So what we did is to find some like high frequency model, microscopic model, you know, based on really like limit order, market order, interaction between agents at the highest frequencies and look at the long-term behavior of this model to explain rough volatility. And basically, what we could show is that if you take a market without statistical arbitrage and with meta-order splitting, in the end, what you obtain in the long term is a rough volatility model, right? So you just take like very reasonable assumption, no statistical arbitrage, some people are doing meta-order splitting, then you get rough volatility. But the rough volatility model that you get in the limit is the Raffeston model in this case. So that's why, I mean, this is how we started with this Raffeston model. This Raffeston model appears naturally as the long-term limit of high-frequency models reproducing well the properties of the macrostructures of the assets. So um, before we uh, go into Raffeston, uh, so you mentioned in your paper that rough volatility models aren't easy to implement. Uh, why is that? So, uh, uh, so at, at first, at first, uh, at first sight, it may look like rough volatility models are complicated to implement, actually, because okay. So first, just let's start with the basic. As I told you, the, the cornerstone of rough volatility models is the fractional brand motion. So if you want to implement, you need to simulate that, and the fractional brand motion is a Gaussian process. So it's quite easy to imp to simulate because it's a Gaussian process. But actually, if you want to do like fast and accurate simulation, it's not that easy. You know, although it's Gaussian, although there is an explicit way to simulate it, it's not that fast and that easy. But since like three, four years, a lot of papers have developed new numerical methods helping simulating and doing numerics for rough volatility models in a very convenient way. So, for example, there is uh, an algorithm which has been developed by Miko Pakanen and Coulter, which is called the hybrid scheme which enables to simulate a rough volatility model very fastly. Uh, there are other algorithms based on uh, deep learning, which have been developed by uh, Blanca Horvat, Eitor Muguruza, and Mehdi Thomas. And the thing is that, and this is one particularly nice aspect of the rough Heston model, in the rough Heston case, uh, we get an explicit expression for the characteristic function. So it's very close to what happened in the classical Heston model. We have an we have an explicit expression for the characteristic function, which is the very same one as in the classical Heston model, except that in the classical Heston model, you have a Riccati equation, and in the rough Heston model, you get a fractional Riccati equation. So you need to do some numerics to solve this fractional Riccati equation, which has no explicit solution. But again, you can do numerics for that. It's not very complicated. And there have been also papers which have been specifically developed to help doing numerics with this fractional Riccati equation. And for example, there is a paper, I think the title is something like uh, Rough is not so tough, something like that, by uh, Gilles Pages and Coulter, deriving some numerical method for this rough Riccati equations. So you mentioned um, that the first version of it um, was um, um, a variation of the Bergami model. So Absolutely. would you... Would you say this is um, uh, possible to combine, rough volatility is possible to combine with uh, uh, all types of uh, stochastic volatility models? Uh, are, why, why did you choose Aston at the end? Yeah, yeah actually, so the, we, we chose Aston because, um, so because there was this idea of uh, finding this microstructural foundation. 
And when you start from the macrostructural foundation, in the end, you find the rough estimate model. And it turns out that when we did this computation, well, because of what we learned from the macrostructural foundation, it enabled us to do this explicit computation in the rough estimate model. So we were able to compute explicitly the characteristic function of the log price in the rough estimate model because we were working on this uh, macrostructural foundation based on Hawkes processes. So, so in the rough estimate model, the advantage is that we were able to do explicit computation. But in terms of, you know, like reproducing what's going on on the market, if you just focus on that, and like a model like the rough Bergomi model can be definitely as good. The advantage of the rough estimate model is that you get explicit formula, the numerics are easy, and you get an easy way to interpret your parameter. So, so what kind of products would the uh, you know advantage of the Heston model in, in getting explicit formulas? What kind of products uh, can it be applied to because of that? So, so, so for for the time being, what we have is you have, we have like explicit formula, exactly as in the classical Heston case. So, which means that we can price very fast um, U, um, uh, European option like vanilla option, and basically, uh, I mean, a point which is also extremely important is that. Uh, we are able to derive hedging formula, which means that we can basically trade, treat with the rough Heston model all the options that are treated with the classical Heston model. So all what you can do with the classical Heston, you can do with rough Heston base. Okay. Um, a critique to this model is that uh, being the rough Heston uh, non-Markovian, uh, so that its output depends not only on the present state, but also on the past, um, its applicability is limited. How do you see this issue? So it's actually, it's a very, very good question because in, even for me in the beginning, I was thinking, well, th this is a limitation. But actually, it's not a limitation at all because, well, first, uh, any non-Markovian model, if you extend the, st the state space largely enough, in the end, it's going to become Markovian. But, but it turns out that the Raffetton model we have been showing with uh, Omar el Eush that it's actually Markovian if you take the suitable state variables. And the suitable state variables are the stock, of course, and the whole forward variance curve. Okay, so the Raffetton model is Markovian in stock and forward variance curve. So now you're gonna tell me, well, okay, it's nice, it's a theoretical result, but in any case, I cannot do hedging, for example, with the forward variance curve. It's an infinite dimensional object. But the thing is that well, if you think about it, in the Raffetton model, as in any conventional stochastic volatility model, there are just two sources of risk, right? You have two burden motions, so two sources of risk. So basically, you can hedge a European option, say, with just stock and one, uh, one of, uh, sorry, let's say an exotic option. You can hedge an exotic option with just stock and one European option. Okay, so you, you can do that also in the Raffetton model. The thing is that, how are you going to compute the weight of the stock and the European option in your hedging portfolio. What the model is telling you is that to compute these weights, it's definitely not like, uh, you know, computing some classical Greeks. Okay, you cannot compute some classical Greeks, like I don't know, like Vega, Gamma, I don't know what, because these Greeks, they just don't make sense in the rough Eston model. What the theory is telling you is that if you want to compute a hedging portfolio, well, you can compute the deriv some derivatives but with respect to the stock and with respect to the forward variance curve. And to, to, to hedge with stock and an option, you have to adapt the weight of the stock and the option 
based on this theoretical computation that you're going to do with the forward variance curve. So you see, in the end, it's like any conventional stochastic volatility model. You can hedge with just stock and one option. The thing is that you cannot compute the weight on the option uh, as you usually do in classical stochastic volatility model. You have to use our theory to just to compute the weight of the options. So although it's non-Markovian, well, if you think about it in terms of hedging, it's not an issue at all because you just hedge with the same instruments as usual. So in your paper, you also propose uh, what you have titled the poor man's rough Huston model um, as a simpler version of the main rough Huston model um, that yes. you proposed. So how does this work? And um, you know, when you compare the results of this one to the main rough Huston model, how yes. accurate are the results? Yeah, so this poor man's version of uh, rough Huston model, I must say this is uh, Jim's genius. It's not coming from me, it's really coming from Jim's idea. So the, the thing is that, uh, so it's, it's not an alternative to uh, the rough Huston model in the sense that you have to apply this approximation for given maturity. And the thing is that, okay, you, you fix the maturity of your option and you, you try to find a volatility of volatility parameter in the classical Huston model which is, which is going to be so that it's going to, the integrated volatility of both models are going to match, right? So you take your rough Eston model, there is this integrated volatility, and now you take the classical Eston model for given maturity, and you try to find the volatility of volatility parameters so that, let's say, the variance of the realized volatility match. You do that, and you plug this parameter in a classical Eston model. And then you can show that you have a very good approximation if you consider the right forward variance curve. And even if you take a flat forward variance curve, then everything becomes really, really easy. You get a fairly good approximation. So to me, it's a really good approximation that you can almost use it in a straightforward way. And if you really want to be extremely accurate, it's very good to have this approximation because it's going to be the right starting point for any kind of numerical method that you're going to use in the general Raffetton framework. So if you, I mean, if you look at the graph that we have produced for the, the Risk Magazine paper, well, you will see that these approximations are quite impressively accurate. Um, another point of criticism we uh, came across during the review process um, was that um, the Ralph Heston uh, model was actually not superior, according to, to someone, uh, to the standard Heston model in terms of fitting. Um, and that is due... Um, also to the fact that uh, they were saying that only three parameters cannot be sufficient to uh, fit the volatility curve. Um, what, what would you respond to that? Well, you know, uh, uh, it, it's quite hard to answer. And uh, uh, so first, I, I'm, I'm never convinced by, you know, like argument that there are not enough parameters because, um, well, maybe there is there's some some external things which are not clear to anybody which are so that a very parsimonious model can be very relevant and i have no doubt that you that it's possible to find a product or an asset in which uh, the raffeston model would be not as good as another model still it's 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 a bit strange in your in the sense that uh, to say that the classical Eston model can be superior in the sense that Somehow, the classical Eston model is a particular, particular case of the rough Eston, because this is a rough Eston with Hertz parameter equal to one half, right? So it's a particular case. It's just even you, you just have just one parameter less than in the classical than in the rough Eston model. And you know, I mean, one thing which is quite clear is that um, 
I mean, it's it's theoretically very obvious that if you look at this at the Montesquieu of option, if you compute that in the classical Eston model, it becomes flat when maturity goes to zero. It becomes flat quite quickly when maturity goes to zero. And on the vast majority of options, while this at the Montesquieu does not become flat, it's rather exploding when maturity goes to zero. And this is, for example, something which is which you can very well reproduce with the Raffetton model and that you cannot reproduce with the Hefton model. So I'm definitely not denying that you can find a few products where maybe the Raffetton model is not perfect. No model is perfect. This is, I mean, I'm sure you can find products for which it's not good. But, well, I think it's essentially superior to the classical Eston. Let me also add that we are like currently developing um, some extension of this model, actually quite slight extension, which are so that just with one model, one parsimonious model like the Raffetton model, probably you can fit at the same time the, for example, the skew of the, of the S&P and the skew of the VIX, which is definitely something which is not possible to do with the classical Eston model. So, honestly, my point is really not to say that this model is inbeatable. Of course, it's not, it's not true. There are some models which are probably even largely as good as the Raffetton model, but I don't think that it's easy to find a model which is like you know, like uniformly better than this uh, Raffetton model. So, I mean, given the advantages you, you just listed, uh, do you think uh, banks are currently using rough volatility models or, you know, do you think uh, the adoption of it would increase in the near future? I'm pretty convinced about that because uh, I already made several presentations in banks. Uh, Jim did the same, of course. The thing that it needed a bit of time because uh, all the numerical methods that I have mentioned, they've really been developed in the last, say, two, three years. So, you know, first there was this idea of raffle agility, but of course, to make that really useful for practitioners, we needed this numerical method. And this numerical method has been developed a bit more recently. So now the numerical methods are well understood. We know they work very well. And so I think there is no obstacle at all to develop these models uh, on a large on a large scale in banks, and actually, so I, I was telling you, I, I've been discussing with already many banks about this, and I also know some other kind of financial institutions which are using this kind of models. Okay, excellent, uh, Mathieu. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, these were all the questions we wanted to ask you. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and thank you, every thanks everyone for listening. Thank you very much.